0: Morning. How's that? Can you hear me? Is that good? Excellent. Okay. It's going to take a little getting used to. I like this better than the uh, the diva mic, though. I think. So, I always feel like I should be stomping and singing Britney Spears with the other one on. So. Okay, Justin Timberlake. I don't know. Um, no. But it's nice. I like having my hands free. To make the same gesture over and over again while I'm talking, that's always great. Uh, something about holding a microphone is really awkward, so I, I like not having one, it's great. So, you you wonder if maybe they, God made some kind of supernatural lapel mic for uh, for his, his, uh, his men in the Old Testament because they give these speeches and everyone seems to have heard what they said, so... Maybe they were just listening, I don't know well Jesus, we thank you for this day. we glorify you for all that you have done God we bind the flesh, the carnal mind god we we bind doubt and unbelief uh, God the the fear and the mistrust that would uh, that would malign you and your character and God we loose faith in this place God trust in this place. God, to receive from You. God, we, we loose Your Spirit to do what only it can do in this place. God, give us uh, eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive. God, in the holy name of Jesus, do as only You can do in this place. that You speak Your words in this place. God, channel my thoughts and, and cause me to say exactly what You would say. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. So, I want to talk a little bit this morning about the faithfulness of God. I've been around for a while, as you can see by my gray hair. And uh, like just like the song that, that Heidi sings, God is indeed always faithful. And uh, I might twist her arm a little bit later and see if I can get her to sing it. But, uh, you know, God doesn't let you down he's a He's a never failing god and i think the to talk about the faithfulness of god it's, it's far too grand a subject to, to really deal with in a, in a single bible study uh, there's so much you could say there's there's so many there's just so much that he's done for us if, if we all got up and, and spent time testifying about the things that God had done for us individually and then how His faithfulness came through for us, uh, then we would be here a long, long time. So the, the word that, that it uses in the Old Testament for faithfulness is this Hebrew word, emuna, And, and it carries, it's translated as faithful, faithfulness, uh, steady, and uh, it's even used as uh, the, as the word office when it talks about the the ministry of the Levites and the things that they did. So when the when the Levites performed their faithfulness, and so it, what it literally means is firmness or stability. So so the very root of the faithfulness of God then is. His, his firmness, his stability, his unchanging nature is, is the very root of his of his amuna, of his faithfulness, and and that's where his love comes from. Because love is not a feeling. I mean, there certainly are feelings that go along with love. There are emotions that stir up when you, you she bats her pretty eyelashes at you, and your heart drops into your stomach, and you start sweating profusely. But Uh, There's more to love than that. That's kind of a a good hook to get you started. But as I'm fond of mentioning, Cynthia and I have been married for nearly 17 years. And uh, I I still get nervous when she bats her eyelashes at me. My wallet quivers. (laughs) But... uh, and I come to work the next day saying, Hey Mike, I, I might need a little extra this week. Um, but uh but no, there's you know, we uh we were quite young when we got married and as I said last week we helped finish raising each other. But the the new thing of a relationship wears away eventually and uh and that's not a bad thing. You know, in our society we've tried to hang on to the new, the intense, the exciting, and uh and tried to make it uh the thing that relationship is and the thing that, that we see as the goal in relationship. And it's really more of a of a means to an end, really. That that hook that gets you going in a relationship is I, I think it's a good starting place. It's a means to an end. It's a good way to get you where you're going. Um, you know, when, you, when you're when you married to someone, there are lots of days that are just dull. There's days that are just boring where you're sitting around the house wishing you had something to do. And, uh, and then you have kids and then you wish you had some free time with nothing to do. And... Uh, Uh, Besides picking up mess after mess after mess and diapers and vomit and food on the floor, on the ceiling. (laughs) So never a dull moment. But but you know even still, I mean you don't really. It's not so romantic when when uh, your your wife is saying, "I just want a shower." And, and, uh, you come home and the house is a wreck and she's struggling to speak in complete sentences because she's been talking to children all day. Yeah. But, so that's, that's part of life though, right? That's part of relationship. That, that's, that's part of where marriage should go eventually. Um, but then you, but what the point I'm making is then you don't have that sense of, let me just grab you and let's dance. You know, that happens occasionally. But um, it's, it's those kind of moments that you have to have your mind made up before you get there. And that's why when you go to the chapel and you're young and exciting and skipping down the altar or down the aisle to the altar, that that's when you're, you're actually making a choice. And and that choice requires faith, because you have to believe that this is going to work out all right. I I never had a doubt in my mind that this wasn't going to work forever. For, uh, you know, in fact, I never even asked Cynthia to marry me. I just she looked at me, and I looked at her, and it was kind of a foregone conclusion. You know, early on, we just sort of started talking about it. Uh, um, as if it were just a given thing that we were going to get married someday. So eventually a week before our wedding, as I was unpacking into our new apartment, uh, I, I finally got hold of a ring to give her and, and asked her. Of course, I, didn't, I wasn't really nervous because I knew what she was going to say. But but you know the thing is is there's those boring days and there's those hard times. and there's, there's disagreements. And there's things that come in from outside that you have to deal with. There's things from inside you have to deal with. And all of those things, it requires you to have made up your mind in advance that this is, this is what I want. And, and you, you make up your mind every day. You, you choose. And having a relationship with God is the same way. You choose him. Not just once. You don't just choose him when you come down to the altar. You choose him, and you choose him, and you choose him, and you choose him, because you're going to have things that want you to choose them. And, and all the while, God is saying, choose me. There's this uh, YouTube video uh, I came across years ago. Uh, uh, I think it's called, if you search for Lifehouse uh, Everything, a skit. And it plays this song that's... Um, may or may not be a song about God, but it's this song that talks about this, whoever he's singing about being everything to him. And in and, and the video, you're watching this stereotypical Jesus dancing with this, this young woman, and they just you can tell that they just really love each other, they have this great thing going, and, uh, and just f- between one dance step and the next, this other guy comes in, gets her hand, and now she's dancing with him. And, and Jesus is standing off to the side, uh, looking hurt, and uh, trying to get her attention. And, and as the as the the song goes on, he's still trying to get her attention. And more and more people are coming in uh, with more things to to distract her from from him. And and eventually she comes to this place where uh, where she's suicidal and she's. Uh, She's holding a gun to her head and she's just wishing that this was all over and, and Jesus is still unhappy and all of these people that have taken her away are dancing with glee behind her, just willing her to, to pull the trigger. And, um, and then right when the... And it's a real quiet kind of song. And then right as the music really kicks up, she throws the gun away and she... She jumps up to her feet and she tries to run to him and and all those people are are holding on to her and uh, it's really something to see and because it it doesn't look like they're acting anymore it looks like she's i mean they're they're literally tearing her clothes uh with her trying to get away from them and get back to him and Jesus is standing just out of reach and he's reaching for her and uh and you and you can see she's she's just not going to be able to get loose from these people. And then he jumps in between him them and her, and he holds all of them back oh. while while she is uh, just you can see she's just relieved. And they're still they're 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 trying to get past him to get to her, and they just can't. And eventually he just throws them all off. And, and they're just gone. And and he picks her back up and they dance again and, and that's the end of the thing. You know, so so we have choices then, you know, because in, in this thing she clearly comes to this choice of I'm going to choose him because all this stuff that I thought would be would be really great has proved to be really, really not great. And and that's that's the way uh, the things that the that the flesh will offer you is the, the you know the uh, the devil doesn't come to you uh, looking all sinister and evil. He comes looking pretty. He comes looking like something you would want. And and so that's 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 where we make choices. And so the the faithfulness of God is is based on His love to us. Or his, and his love comes from that faithfulness, and and it, and it it's because of his, the unchangeable nature of his character. When the uh, when children of Israel came out of uh, Egypt, they were on the, their travels in the wilderness before they came to Canaan. They were at the borders of Moab, you know the story, and Balak called Balaam to come and curse them, and and he, he, of course, he blesses him. He says, I can't, all I can do is do what God says to do. That's all I can say. I can't, I can't go past that. So he brings him out there and he blesses him. And uh, the king of Moab is very unhappy, of course, and clearly not very bright because then he says, let's go over here and you can look at him from over here and maybe you'll curse him from there. Because <laughs> that's a good idea. And, and, of course, he blesses him again. And again, in this third time that he blesses them, of course, King of Moab is is in a a rage by this time, and and Balaam tells him, look, I told you I can't go beyond what God said, and God has pronounced blessing on them, and I can't reverse it. He said, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent, has he said, and shall he not do it? Has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? So, God, when God tells you something, then it's golden. You can put it in the bank, and you can trust it. Because he made a covenant with Abraham. And and he said, this kingdom, is, or this, uh, you are going to be the beginning of my kingdom. And, um, you know, because he believed God. He trusted him. And so he made this covenant with Abraham to his seed past him. And so now he's brought this seed of Abraham up out of Egypt. And you know the stories in the book of Numbers. It was not a pleasant journey in the, in the stories in Exodus. Uh, we talked about that last week, how he, he got rid of the people that came out of Egypt and it was their children that went in to the promised land because the old man's not going in, it's the new man that's going in. But God's faithfulness you would you would think maybe you know if God were me, if I were God, I would be somewhat tempted to you know maybe curse him a little bit you know um, you know in our line of work we do we sometimes work on what we call custom homes, you know because the the builder is building a home for someone specific and uh, based on their choices of uh, Floor plan, finish, fixtures, all that. And I, I I thought recently, you know, I think they call them custom homes because by the time you get to the end, everybody's custom a little bit. (laughs) And so, you know, I, I know I have. (laughs) But uh, if if you've ever been around the building of a home, or if you've ever built one. You know, it can be stressful and aggravating and so forth. The stewards would know nothing of that. Um, But um, so you would think, though, that, you know, maybe God would, well, maybe just a little curse would be all right, you know, because after all, they've been driving me crazy in the wilderness for all this time. But instead, in his Faithfulness, when somebody wanted to bring a curse on his people, he said, No, I'm going to bless them. In fact, he says, I have not beheld iniquity in Jacob. So, you know, what kind of faithfulness is that? I'm, I'm going I've, to, I've put this stuff away. We've dealt with this stuff. And so let's just move on from there. Go with me to Psalm 89. I was trying to narrow down where I was going to to read in this. And this word faithful just kept popping up everywhere in this psalm. So I couldn't really come up with a good starting point other than verse 1. And after 19 years of sitting under Ron's ministry, it just seems logical to start at verse 1 to dispense with the... uh, Uh, the formality with the the charade of I'm only going to read part of it and just start at the beginning. Not here, is he? (laughs) I trust you won't tell him I said that because if you do, I will call you out next week with something custom made for you. And you will know that I have custom by the time you get done. So, Psalm 89, verse 1, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever, and with my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. You know, you can, you can like I said, you can look through your life and you can find those things where you can say, God has really been faithful to me. Uh, somebody asked me recently about an example of, of God being faithful to me weeks and weeks ago and i said well i would I would have to say my house because I always wanted a house. I had completely given up on the idea of ever having a house, and uh I kind of took this sour grapes approach to it of well, oh, I could never afford one that I would be happy with, and you know whatever i you know, I made up all kinds of reasons why I might as well just rent a more expensive apartment and just throw my money away and uh um, as time went on, uh, I started having children. And when you have children, an apartment suddenly just doesn't seem like this is going to do anymore. It's, it's crowded. You want a yard with a swing set and a fence and, and all that stuff. And, um, you, know. you know, it's I – so I started really wanting a house after we had Jeremy. And, uh, and I, I started thinking – in different terms about it, because I thought, you know, God, I, I know I kind of made this decision that this is this is and that's not going to happen for me. But that's not who you are, and and uh, and I I repent for having maligned your faithfulness and your ability to do something because I can't figure out how you would do it, and so. Um, Rhonda found this great loan program, got this great little house, and I said, that sounds like a doable thing to me. So I did the paperwork, and because I'm self-employed, it was a lot, and, uh, uh, you know, we were having the worst winter we had ever had. We had kind of built our business on Brandon Woods and on the work that we do for them, and... uh, they, There was a guy there that was in charge of the guy that we dealt with, and he really didn't like us, so he pretty much just tried to get rid of us. And so for about six months, we didn't do any work for them at all, and it just happened to be during the winter when we really liked having work from them. And uh, I just had, had happened to start this whole process then, and I was looking at homes, and I kind of had a guess of how much I could afford, and... Um, when i got the pre approval amount back it was considerably less than i thought uh, and so one of all the houses i had looked at there was only one that i liked that to me seemed like the most bang for your buck in that price range and so i it was actually the only house we even looked at in person with our real, realtor and we bought it and there you know like i said we were in a a tough spot. Things were dried up at work. Had nothing going on, and the the lady at the loan place that I was I dealt with was talking to me one day, and she said, "You know, there's been a lot of people defaulting on this program because uh, this is about 2011. You know, things were uh, not going well economically then." And they, she said, "You know, I'm not telling you to give up on this, but I'd hate to see what that would you." Know, You've, you've managed your credit well and everything. I'd hate to see you get in a house and then lose it. And so just think about that. So I thought about it, and I decided that either God can do this or he can't. Either either this is just a bad idea and he'll shut the door, or this is going to work. And then so I just operated on that assumption. And the uh, the government was due to shut down on April 13th because of the, one of those things where they needed to agree on a new budget and all that jazz. And uh, like that happens every year now. And uh, they, they crammed my, uh, all my stuff through, and we closed on April 12th. And so I got in my house. You know, a few weeks later, we, you know, we, we painted it and everything, and we moved in. And, you know, I've, I've told you guys all this before. I'm downstairs in the basement praying and was looking at the manufacture date stamped on the underside of the subfloor. It said July 4, 2005, which, of course, is my birthday. And And the name of the subdivision is The Heritage. And so I thought, okay, so that would be the faithfulness of God then. A house I never thought I could have. And here it is. So... So, so we all have those things that we can make his faithfulness known to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shall you establish in the very heavens. I made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to David my servant that thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations, Selah. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, and thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. For who in heaven could be compared to the Lord? and who among the sons of the mighty could be likened to the Lord? You know, it's like the song we sang Friday night, um, the old rugged cross, you know, until you know I'll cling to the old rugged cross until at last my trophies I lay down. You know, what kind of kind of trophy could you possibly claim you know, that could, could you carry and say, I did this in, in the face of, of what he's done for us in, in His mercy and his faithfulness? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all that are about him. O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about thee? Thou rulest the raging of the sea, when the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. Thou hast broken Rahab in pieces as one that is slain, thou hast scattered thine enemies with a strong arm. The heavens are thine, the earth also is thine. As for the world and the fullness thereof, thou hast founded them. The north and the south, thou hast created them. Tabor and Hermon shall rejoice in thy name. Thou hast a mighty arm, strong is thy hand, and high is thy right hand. Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. For they shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. And in thy name shall they rejoice all the day, and in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. For thou art the glory of their strength, and in thy favor our horn shall be exalted. This is good stuff. You can see why I just had to read all of it. For thou art the glory of their strength, and in thy favor our horn shall be exalted. For the Lord is our defense, the Holy One of Israel is our King. Then thou spakest in vision to thy Holy One, and said, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. I have exalted one chosen out of the people. And I found David my servant. With my holy oil have I anointed him, with whom my hand shall be established, and my arm shall also strengthen him. And so we know that David, of course he's talking about David here, but he's also talking about Jesus, because David was that picture of, of Jesus the king. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. And I will beat down his foes before his face, and plague them that hate him. And that certainly happened for David. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. And I will set his hand also in the sea, and his right hand in the rivers. He shall cry to me, Thou art my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Also, I will make him my firstborn, higher than the kings of the earth. My mercy will I keep for him forever, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. His seat also. Will I make to endure forever and his throne as the days of heaven? You see that faithfulness of God. He, he makes a covenant, he makes a promise, and he does not go back on it. If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. So, so you can see the faithfulness here in the blessings, but you can also see the faithfulness of God in the correction. You know, in, in Psalm 119, he says, In faithfulness you've afflicted me. And he, and he said, "Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept your word." Um, uh, Lamentations is a difficult read, but right there in the middle, half of one chapter, he, he talks about the goodness of God and he talks about the faithfulness of God and how he's, and he, he says that that all the Terrible stuff has happened, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. It is with the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed; uh, they're new every morning, and great is thy faithfulness. And and uh, that that passage just goes on. Uh, eventually, he says that he does not willingly afflict or grieve the children of men. So, you know, it's like it's like your children pushing you into that place where you must beat them. Uh, you. I don't know how many times I've pled with my children. Please, just listen. If you you listen to your mother and do as you're expected to do during church, no beatings will ensue when you get home. So, we actually just discussed that this morning.
1: So, I told them,
0: remember our expectations during church. You know what they are. And if you give your mother any trouble during church, then grievous things will happen to you when we get home. (laughs) And Levi, my scholar, according to his, his teacher, said, that means spanking. <laughs> so, so, they get it. Who says kids don't understand big words? Okay. So, so that, that, that also is the faithfulness of God. Um, the thing I—this is actually the—the the thing I really wanted to get to—in verse 33. Nevertheless, my loving kindness, will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail? So, so evidently, faithfulness could fail. Maybe not. Maybe if it's yours. But but he says, I won't suffer my faithfulness to fail. And you know, the this word fail is an interesting word. Because it, what it really, literally means, is to lie, to deceive, to be duplicitous, and uh, it's used of someone whose word is not good, someone whose word cannot be trusted, and and the uh, behind faithfulness, this word emunah is translated uh, most as truth, because the truth is firm, the truth is stable, and so he. There's a lot of ways you could translate that that are all right. You, you know, you could say that I will not suffer my truth to lie. I will not suffer my faithfulness to be deceptive. So he's saying. So if he's talking about um, someone whose word cannot be trusted, he's saying that is not me. I, I've known people who I took them at their word, and they took me a ride, but God's not like that, and if God tells you something, then I can tell you that you can stand on it, and you can count on it, because it's going to happen, just like he said, so he says, nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail, my covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Didn't he say uh, earlier in the Psalms about um, uh, someone who would enter into the to the the, the tabernacle, the hill of the Lord? That, that it would be somebody who swears to their own hurt and changes not. So, so he he gives us that example of what he wants from us, and and he says when I when I say something, that's what I mean, and I'm not going and I don't go back on it. I, you can trust it. And so that's what he, he wants from us. But that takes making decisions because his faithfulness is a decision. You would think, you know, if it were me, when his, if his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, then uh, I would be kind of thinking, okay, covenant void, and I'm going to find somebody better. But that's not what he does. He says we can work with this. Because uh, his faithfulness uh, won't let his love just quit. And, And that's why he went through the things that he went through to buy our salvation. Because he just, he couldn't not. He couldn't quit. And because Jesus had this sense of faithfulness to the things that he, that God showed him in the word that this is you. And he would have liked to have done something different but when it came down to it, then he made a decision that he was going to do the thing that, that the Word of God was telling him to do, like it or no. And that's easy to say on Sunday morning when you're all dressed nice and feeling good. It's a little more difficult on Tuesday morning when you'd like to strangle somebody. But, um, you know, that's, the, that's one of those places, again, where we make a choice and where we, where we choose him, where we mortify the, the deeds of the flesh and we put down our desires for his desires. So go with me to 1 Corinthians 13. As I was, uh, one of my children was uh, complaining at the injustice of the boredom that I was inflicting on them yesterday by making them sit for 10 minutes and and listen to me talk about the Word of God, which kind of made my nostrils dilate a little. And uh, I thought, you know, maybe we should talk a little bit about love and and about decision-making. And and I had already been thinking about the faithfulness of God, and, and all of a sudden, to me, the two just sort of clicked together. And so I thought, what better thing to read than 1 Corinthians 13, the famous love chapter? Because you all know the kind of word here that's used for charity is agape, of course, which is not a love that, it's not like friendship love, it's not like um, any other kind of love. It's, it's a love like a, like a parent that has to correct their child. It's, I I know what you want, but I'm going to give you what you need because I know what's best. That's the kind of love that God has for us. That's the kind of love that he talks about in John 3.16. And so, again, that comes down to a decision then. I'm deciding to love you through this. I'm deciding to love you beyond this because I know that between this day that, that was a bummer and this day that was a bummer, or, I mean, this day that was great and this day that was great, there's going to be some days that are a bummer. And, and you have to just decide to love through those things. And, and I mean, I'm talking about relationships, but I'm talking about God. Because not every day feels really great. You know, you feel like you should get up in the morning and go down to your prayer closet and, and the glory of God just envelops you and you forget to go to work, you know. And <laughs> I wish that would happen. But, you know, the thing about the about the presence of God is he does do that. But, you know, he talked about it being like wine. And God, in his wisdom, knows it's not really a good idea for you to have several glasses of wine every day before work. I mean, it would probably make the day more enjoyable, but eventually... Um, eventually, you might run into some problems. Um, you know... I I, um, I called a customer once when I was uh, high on some fumes, and I didn't think that I was. And that's the story for another time. But um, needless to say, I I thought that I was doing fine. I thought I was under control, and apparently I was not. And if you really would like to hear this story, then you should you should ask Mike about it later. He was there. And, again, saw the faithfulness of God in that we still continue to work for that guy. So, so though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Because if you don't have love, you know, the thing about sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal is it's kind of obnoxious. And, you know, it's like having cartoons on in the background all day or my parents' house, and you try and visit with people, and there's a western going on, kind of loud in the background. I thought we were here to talk to each other, not watch a movie you've all seen 50 times. But, you know, having that that noise without the love is an obnoxious thing. Though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries, and I have all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and I have not love, I'm nothing. So... These are all gifts of the Holy Ghost, right? Like, you could have this stuff working in your life, but if you don't have love, then it's worth nothing. But again, I am compelled to point out that love is not that butterfly-in-your-tummy feeling. You know, love is a choice because sometimes you, you would like to, you know, Bare your teeth at somebody and instead you just kind of curl up the corners of your mouth and you smile at them instead. You know, sometimes you have to make those kind of choices. Uh, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and I have not love, that profits me nothing. The love is long, or suffers long, and is kind. The charity envies not, vaunts not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So, you know, when I was young, I always kind of thought of that as, you know, I would think of Cynthia and think, yes, yes, she's wonderful, and, 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 and uh, I, all these things apply. Um, the older I get, the more I realize, well, yeah, but, you know, what if you're not feeling it? You know, there's those days and you just don't feel it. And then you decide, well, I, I made a covenant. I made an agreement. I made an agreement with God. So even though I I feel like I'm talking to the wall, I know he's listening. And and I know that that you know, Israel in Isaiah he says that, you know, Israel says that my way is hidden from the Lord and and he and that God has forgotten me. And, and he says, could a mother forget a nursing child? Of course not. You know, we talked about that recently. God you know, says, I've, I've graven you on the, the palm of my hands. So, so God, God is always paying attention. God is always listening. And uh, just because, you know, we, we talked recently about how it says his eyelids try the children of men. Because if it seems like God's not watching... Or it seems like God's not looking or paying attention, and perhaps He doesn't care. Or perhaps I might slip through the cracks or or some such. But uh, but when we when we come to trust in His faithfulness, then we know that He's always watching. He's paying attention, and that that His love to me does not change. You know, He He He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one that changes in our relationship is us. And sometimes we kind of meander back and forth between the bumpers, but um, but God knows how to get us where we're going. And, 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 he, and he makes those choices plain to us so that it's not this mysterious, I just don't know what to do thing, as so much as, well, I'm, I'm choosing him because the choice just boils down to that. Love never fails. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Tongues, they shall cease. Knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part when that which is perfect has come and that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. And I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Uh, you know, there's a thing about children that, you know, they, they love you unconditionally. and And... Typically, they, they just sort of take for granted that you love them, and, which is great. I appreciate that, that they do that. Sometimes uh, uh, my kids show me so much love that I think, who is your dad? Like, were you not here yesterday? You know, but but I, I, I find also that children need affirmation. And they, they need you to, to listen to their story. They need you to look at their little drawing. They need you to look at their little Lego sculpture and ooh and awe over it. They need that affirmation that, yes, I'm, I'm paying attention to you. Yes, I, I love you, and you are valuable to me. Uh, we had to cancel Jeremy's uh, parent-teacher conference because we had had a dentist appointment scheduled about two months in advance. And if we canceled it, then it was going to be probably another two months and uh, so, we had looked ahead on the calendar, cleverly chose that date, not realizing that the reason there was no school was parent-teacher conferences, but, um, so we didn't get to go to his, but we went to, to Levi's, and it, uh, Cynthia was at school, so I took to the kids, and, and it was just this big love fest, you know, his teacher just loves him to bits, and he was astronomically ahead of the rest of his class, and all the math and spelling stuff, and and I was just really proud of him, and, and she, you know, she talked about him being a role model for the rest of the class and everything. He's such a good kid. and thought, yes, yes, that's my boy, you know. And and so we left, and, and I, I made it a point to make sure that Jeremy understood that I was proud of him too, even though we didn't get to go to his parent-teacher conference because he began asking, "Can we still? Can we go over to my class and do mine now?" I said, "Well, they have them scheduled." At specific times and stuff, and when we told your teacher that we couldn't make the time that she'd come up with, um, then uh, she didn't offer us uh, an alternative time. And she, but she said that you were doing really, really great, and she had no concerns. So there you go. But uh, you know, we, we need that sense of of affirmation from him. But the thing about being about being becoming a man and putting away childish things is when you don't get that affirmation all the time, you, you still know that God's faithfulness is still pleased with you. You know that God's faithfulness is still, He still loves you just like He did the day you met Him, the day He, he picked you up and rescued you. That He loves you just as much now as He did then. Probably the only difference is that you love Him more now. So, when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. For I know in part, and then shall I know, even as I am also known? So, as we as we travel down this road with him, we see him more plainly. And we we know more about him and his character. You know, the children of Israel knew his acts, but Moses knew his ways. So they knew what, what God did. Moses knew what God would do. You know, there's a lot, there's a difference between knowing how someone behaves and really knowing them. And uh because sometimes you'll, you can make a, a decision about how someone must be thinking by what they did, and if you don't know them, you might be way off. So, uh, so as we grow in him, then, then we begin to know him the way, uh, just as plainly as he knows us. Now abides faith, hope, and love, these three. And the greatest of these is love. So that, that love, again, comes from his faithfulness. And, and it, it is an unchanging thing. And, it, and it's steady. You know, the, the first place this word appears in the Old Testament uh, is right after they come out of Egypt and they, they met Amalek in the wilderness, the flesh. And Joshua leads this battle against them. And when Moses lifted up his hands, then the, the battle went well. When he put his hands down, the battle went ill. You know the story. It says that Aaron and Hur got him a, a stone to sit on, and they, they held up his hands. It says his hands were steady till the going down of the sun. So that that's the kind of steadiness that he's talking about. Being being on a rock and being upheld uh, by a people, by someone who's on your team, who's on your side. And we've been talking a lot about that lately, about how God is is on our side. And and so. Um, when God is dealing with you about something, or if you feel like He's just sort of not paying attention, you know, certainly you should you should check and examine your life by the Word of God. Somebody somebody asked me, well, Cynthia's grandpa was in town last week, and and uh, uh, he was an AG pastor for pretty much his whole life, and, and he asked me, so, did you guys do communion in your church? And, uh, I said, well, yes, sir, every week. Like, oh, every week, really? Well, well, yeah, you know, I mean, with the the word, you know, I I compared myself to a cracker once, but I just discovered that we were both white and salty. And, and so, so he, uh, so he gets, said, oh, well, you know, some churches use unleavened bread, and I really, I like unleavened bread, it's great, and it kind of changed the subject. So, I thought, okay, I didn't really want to talk about that with you anyway. But, so certainly we should examine ourselves with the Word, if, if we feel like God is is distant, perhaps, but sometimes He's just, He just wants you to just follow along and trust Him that 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 he's got you where he wants you to be and that if you aren't where he wants you to be, he knows how to get you where he wants you to be. And 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 how he does that is his faithfulness. Because he's 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 done so much for you, he's not just going to just let you go uh, without without a fight. And so there it is, the faithfulness of God. Where the the very source of, of his love coming from his unchanging nature. So, Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, for that faithfulness, God, that has has kept us and has brought all of us through uh, many waters. And God, we, we praise you for all that you've done for us. And today, God, what I pray is that we would reach out and take hold of your promises today, that we would take hold of that faithfulness, that we would make that decision to trust in you and to, to believe the things that you say. And so often we get in turmoil, and, and what it comes down to is, is consciously deciding not to believe the things that, that the enemy would tell us, the things that the flesh would tell us, and to consciously decide to believe your word to us. And so, God, I pray that every one of us would uh, make up our mind that that's the choices that we're going to make, God, and that You would just draw us near to You, God. I again, I loose Your Spirit in this place to do exactly what You want to do, God. Bless the the singing, bless the the the, the sermon coming forth, God. Everything that You want to do today, God, we want You to lead us through the service, God, not us leading You, and God, we trust You that today. And we just praise You and glorify Your name. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. amen.